Welcome to Yabasta. I'm your host, Jessica Reyes Sungruff. Today is August 6, 2019. It is three days after the shooting in my hometown of El Paso, Texas. I am struggling to find clarity. I have some words, but they're all garbled up in the pit of my stomach, swimming in a scorching river of anger, resentment, fear, occasionally melted by sorrow and then frozen by hopelessness and apathy. Then there's my anxiety, which adds another level and has a way of swirling it all around, dizzying, stretching out, making harder to read these words. Are these words even mine? Who put them there and how do I know which ones to keep? Which are the best ones? And how will I know? The truth is I don't know. What I do know is that when it gets quiet and the water's calm and I can hear myself breathe and I can hear my heart beat, I can feel the love that has all this time been fighting back to keep my mouth from drowning. And the answer is in there somewhere, right? The answer is in the good that is in all of us, struggling to swim up against the horror that life is throwing at us. We have to take a moment after the anger burns our lips to decipher what it means. What does it mean? The shooter that killed 22 people and injured dozens more in a Walmart near Cielo Vista Mall in El Paso, in El Paso Texas does not exist in a vacuum. It is the result of many things. Yes, one of those things is the vitriolic and racist and xenophobic language that is developing a foothold of normalcy in America today. That much is clear from the manifesto. The manifesto that contains language nearly plucked from some of Trump's tweets, alongside those of the Daily Caller, Tucker Carlson, and even Texas Senator John Cornyn. The matching language includes references to the growth of the Latino population in Texas as if it is a problem. Erroneously calling the flow of migrants into Texas an invasion and citing the false statement that any of the Democratic candidates in 2020 in the 2020 presidential race are advocating open borders. They are not. And yes, it is also undeniable that the President of the United States speaks out of two sides of his mouth. On one side, condemning hateful acts in his tweets and his speech this weekend. On the other, telling elected members of Congress, women of color, to go back to where they came from, which is a long-deployed white supremacist trope meant to imply America is only made for white people and the brown people who fall in line. And then very notably, at a rally in Florida on May 8th, in which Trump mused that only in the panhandle can you get away with chanting, shoot em. The them being immigrants as immigration policy. The massacre in El Paso does not exist in a vacuum. 
the same language in the manifesto and in Trump's speeches and tweets also encourages armed armed citizen militias in Arizona, New Mexico, acting with the same type of violent vigilantism in what they view as a military-style invasion. I will caveat that these armed militias are not new. In fact, they have a long and violent history along the border. But they are more recently taking bolder action. Bolder action than the past decade or so including unlawfully detaining hundreds of unarmed migrants at gunpoint. The massacre in El Paso does not exist in a vacuum. Texas, of course, has a history of violence towards Mexican-Americans and Tejano counterparts. I want to remind you that many Tejanos never crossed a border. The border crossed them. But that cohabitation has not been without thousands of years without thousands of lynchings and similar mob-style citizen militias in the 18th and 19th centuries. The Texas School Board of Education has for decades resisted telling a more honest version of Texas history and the cultural significance of Chicanos and Tejanos in student textbooks. Only last year did the state finally approve an ethnic studies curriculum to tell that story in a land where brown-skinned people have always been a large population group. And still, that story is told separately from the Texas history. The length of this fight for representation in textbooks is in itself a part and a symptom of a big problem. The failure to recognize the contributions of people of color to America is pervasive throughout academia, and the subject matter is often pigeonholed into ethnic studies programs and curricula. It is within this failure of academia that we do not give our students a more broad appreciation for economical and cultural diversity that people of color contribute to America. We partake in the consumer economy. We pay taxes, we start businesses, we create jobs just like everybody else. We bring money in and out of our communities. We help keep America's economy moving. You would be hard-pressed to find a study that accurately takes into account the economic contributions of migrant communities in addition to the cost of social services and does not find a value add. The massacre in El Paso does not exist in a vacuum. America loves its guns almost as much as Texas does. Simply put, the statistics are very clear. We have the highest ratio of gun violence in the world. We need to, at the very least, put some real restrictions on gun ownership. The massacre in El Paso does not exist in a vacuum. Racism, bigotry, xenophobia, white supremacy, an insidious disease that the larger and wider it grows, the more various its forms. At Customs and Border Patrol, there is a culture change happening that has been happening. And what it is doing is taking good people with good intentions and straining them thin, making them hopeless and apathetic to the suffering they are witnessing daily. Of course, oftentimes, border agencies 
and immigration control agencies tend to attract bad actors. <clears throat> That's a very different subject. But what I'm pointing out is that there is a systemic effect of policies from the Trump administration and the recent congressionally approved budget that includes concessions by Democrats that strain resources for very basic goods that would contribute to a humanitarian crisis while prioritizing the militarization of our borders like it's a war we're fighting. It is the effect of these policies that ignore the reality of the world and the ways in which Americans participate almost daily in an international exchange of goods and services and in which we have benefited from the extraction of resources abroad. And you can decry the corruption and violence of governments of countries in South America and Africa, but you can ignore how many times the U.S. has benefited from our own leaders' political relationships with despots and tyrants and our own government's role in propping up leaders willing to make a deal with America. This is not to point blame at which government is worse or more corrupt. This is to say, this is the reality. People crossing our border legally or illegally or seeking asylum are people from, are people with children and parents and grandparents, and many of them are fleeing violence. They are not criminals for seeking a better life. It should not be a crime. We have to find a better way to do what is the most simple thing. Treat the situation for what it is. People in need of help, and we can help, and we can do it together. We have to fight with words and voices. We have to fight with detailed policy, with our small campaign contributions, and by volunteering and protesting. We have to fight by aligning with our community, strengthening our community. We have to fight with conversations. We have to fight in the best way we can and to the best of our ability, whatever that ability may be and whatever limitations come with it. But we have to keep doing it. There may never be an end in sight, but we have to keep doing it. And to do that, we have to take care of ourselves and each other. Give yourself and each other space to be angry space to feel pain and space to heal and when you get your clarity sit with it focus on it and when you're ready put your energy energy to good use please support your friends and family your community please support women of color in honor of tony morrison who we lost today i'm going to leave you with this quote we die that may be the meaning of life, but we do language. That may be the measure of our lives. Thank you for joining me. I hope to be with you again soon. I wish I was able to do this more often, um, but my own mental health issues often make that very difficult. So I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your support. Your support. Thank you. Until next time.